I'm debating whether the possibility is there that I might be able to go to the funeral. I'd like to do a lot of things that physically I don't think I'm able to do, but um, for a person like Brother Daves and the family and the, the fellowship, I would probably try to see the possibility if I can go to the, to the funeral. If not, we'd like to send some flowers uh, representing this assembly to that funeral. I think it's a little ways off. I asked Nadine to check it out and see if the airport is close to where the church is, if it's got to be hours of an hour driving or things like that, I might not be able to do that. Uh, really and truly, I don't feel I'm capable of driving um, long distances and traveling long distances. But we want to remember the family in prayer. Also, uh, tomorrow, Brother Ricky, uh, he hasn't been here for a while. He told me the last trip we made into Rochester, he told me that he is anxious to pay a visit uh, back here to this assembly. He's doing a procedure tomorrow, and uh, there's no minor procedure. When they put you out uh, under anesthesia of some sort, uh, when they put you out, there's nothing minor. Uh, someone can put you out, and uh, you have complications during that procedure. So he's doing a very technical and serious procedure tomorrow, uh, one that I've never really heard done before. And we want to remember him in prayer. Also, I'm looking and Sister Polly, our favorite person, is not here in church, and that's because she's not well. Uh, she's going through that process where she, one day she's up and the next day she's not well. And so we want to remember these individuals in prayer. Uh, so please join me in prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are unworthy to really come before you and make any demands. So today, Lord, we thank you for the privilege you've given to us that we can bring a request to you, hoping that it is your will and whatever your will is, give us the faith and confidence in your ways to know that you never err in judgment, you never err in making decisions. So today, Lord, in a special way, we want to remember Brother Daves and his family, Lord, and the church, that you will be with this section of the fellowship, Father, and strengthen their confidence in you. Losing a loved one is not easy, Father, and we all have to go through that process in life. We pray that you'll strengthen Brother Daves and strengthen the assembly and strengthen the saints and the family and you'll be with them lord at this time remember brother ricky as he's going in for a procedure tomorrow god man's wisdom can never overpower your power and your sovereignty and what you can do for your people and so today, Lord, we commit Brother Ricky into your hands and we pray that you'll touch the minds and the hearts and the hands of the surgeons, O oh Father, who will be doing this very technical and, and tricky 
procedure, Father. Please, O oh God, strengthen Brother Ricky's faith, strengthen the family and the assembly in Rochester. Father, we pray you'll be with them. We also remember Sister Polly at this time and in her pains and agony, Lord. She has been so faithful over the years. And we pray, O oh God, that you would strengthen her today. Touch her, Father. Let your healing virtues move into her life and heal her, Father. And Lord, every one of us in this assembly that's not well today, we pray, O oh God, that you'll touch us. Thank you for bringing Brother Dan back to us. And strengthen his faith, Father, we pray. God, if ever there was a time where we need your strength and your encouragement, Father, it is in these days. Prepare for our work, the work of God here in North America and around the world. Father, that you'll be with every man of God standing in the pulpit today. You'll inspire your people. And I pray especially for this congregation, Lord, that has listened to me for over the many, many years. I pray, O oh God, that you would open hearts, that we will not take the word of God for granted. We'll not take the ministry for granted. We'll not, oh God, come to that place where familiarity would breed contempt and disrespect and dishonor. Touch our minds, we pray. Help us, oh God, to come to the place of honoring you more than anything else. Oh God, help us, oh Father, to put your church in high esteem, Father. We pray that you'll touch individuals here, everyone that is sick in this assembly, physically or socially or, oh Lord, emotionally or whatever is the problem. Heal your people, heal our minds, heal our spirits, Father. Touch our hearts, we pray, and help us, oh God. We commit our future into your hands and we pray that you'll undertake. Lord, we pray for our upcoming Thanksgiving weekend that you'll be with us. And oh God, give us inspiration and guidance, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Bless this service today. Amen and amen. You may be seated. COVID-19 has done much damage to a lot of people, has done damage to people's minds, has shaken up churches, and some pastors claim that they have seen people backslid out of the church and left the work of God. And I felt that God allowed COVID-19 not only to shake local churches up and to shake the fellowship up, but help us, oh, that the God may help us to come to the place of understanding what he's doing. Because a judgment in the earth can happen and you in the midst of it fail to recognize what God is saying. It is so important, whether it's a local message being preached, 
or something happening in society that we need to come to the place of understanding what God is doing. And not only understanding mentally, but bring ourselves in conformity to the Word of God and to a godly lifestyle. The future of every assembly depends on the congregation and their dedication and on the past few services, during the past few services we talked, I appreciate uh, the, less, the service we had last night and Brother Sam's exhortation to this assembly. And it is one thing going online and listening to the message. It's another thing sitting in the congregation and receiving the spirit that exists in the assembly. I believe in this assembly. I believe in this building. I believe in this atmosphere that we feel. And I believe God comes in this assembly and the presence of God inhabits this place. But like every other terminology we have used, people would like to draw a conclusion what is the presence of God? And I would think, and I'm not wrong when I say maybe 90% of Christians that go to world, that go to church, do not understand what is the moving of the Spirit in the church. Um, we draw our own conclusion. We draw our own conclusion based on traditional concepts and the mechanics of religion. But this assembly has been privileged, and I told Brother Raleigh this morning, I was talking to him a little bit, just a little bit. And he was telling me how he was inspired, or he was blessed or challenged by the Wednesday night message. And I said, well, slowly I'm getting to the place that before I end my life, in this world, I've got messages that will turn a lot of religious people against me because it will not be down their theological pathway. And I've never been here in this world and in this local church or in the fellowship seeking popularity. I feel that God has brought me to the place that I stopped traveling to go to meetings simply because I must, God, whatever his reason is, he has brought me into that place that he has limited my ability to travel to meetings. And so I'll be around for a little bit, but I told Brother Raleigh, I said, the message on Wednesday night was very strong. But I've got messages that are stronger than that. That if God touches my mind before I leave this world, I'd make sure that these messages are preached. Very strong, very predominant. I'm glad that Brother, Brother Joe McCormick is taking these tapes that we do and, and putting them together. And he sits down and takes time. And I want him to do that to sit down and take time, not just to write up on the message, 
but to analyze everything I say in that message and see if anything that would stay there for 10 years or 15 years should not stay, be removed. If I use an incorrect terminology, like I might say something a little bit rough, um, he's got to pray and ask God to help him to eliminate that. The priority must be given to the recorded message. And he must understand where Brother Singh is going. Like Brother Sam told you last night, that uh, when he listens to the message, he's not sure which scripture he comes up with and which scripture is to what I preach from there so often. And this happened years ago when I went to Guyana. We had a congregation that we taught. And it has resulted in people serving God unto this day. The crop coming out of Guyana still exists, most of these people. But you know, you can exist and lose your vision. As we get old, we lose our physical vision. Well, you can sit in the church and slowly get washed away. And so when we think of the message we talked about on Wednesday night, where I made very, a very bold statement that even though this entire Bible is given for our edification, uh, there are things in this Bible not meant for us. The entire Old Testament was written to the Jews. I'm not a Jew. The entire Old Testament was written to the Jews. That's what I said Wednesday night. You know how many people would come against me for that? Well, like Brother Sam said last night, I can pick up that Old Testament and find a scripture like Psalms 1. Blessed is the man. There are things that this Gentile can reach into what was written to the Jews and learn. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Isn't that a beautiful exhortation? But I'm here to tell you that evil has advanced. When David wrote the psalm, the counsel of the ungodly has evolutionized. It has evolved. Jesus made a statement here in Matthew chapter 6, chapter 5 of Matthew's gospel. And he said here in verse, verse 27, he said, You've heard it, it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now I'll tell you what, you know who said that of old time? Who said that of old time? Jesus did. Jesus was that angel that appeared to Moses out of the burning bush. And he was the one that says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That was command from his father. And Stephen explained that in the seventh chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. When he says that angel that appeared to Moses out of the burning bush, the word angel is translated like they see out here, messenger. Uh, that was Christ. He was that cloud that led Israel in the day, 
to the wilderness and the pillar of fire by night. Jesus was the one. So when the scripture says Moses became a disciple of Christ, cons considering the sufferings of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, Christ was in the Old Testament. Um, just hold your finger in Matthew for a second here, and I'm going to turn here, and I think I want 1 Corinthians. The... Uh, 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Gentile church at Corinth. He says, moreover, brethren. And so, as you hold your finger in Matthew 5 and you hold your finger in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, watch me, look at me. There is a way that you, we can run a service. And that is, you find a scripture, you write it down, and then you look at the preacher. Because the devil can distract you right here in church. And we have to understand that there is an Old Testament, there is a New Testament. When we look at the New Testament, there are sections of the New Testament that was written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were written not while Jesus was alive, maybe 20, 30, 35 years after Jesus was gone. Then they put those Gospels together. Paul's epistles were written and sent around. And until the translators put all of these things together, there were 66 individual pieces of documents. When you picked up the Torah which comprised of five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there were five scrolls, five manuscripts. When you pick up Job, it was a, a separate manuscript. When you pick up Isaiah, it was a separate manuscript. When Jesus entered into the temple, according to Luke, the fourth chapter, there was given unto him the prophecy of Isaiah. It was a scroll given to him that Isaiah wrote. And back there, they saw 39 documents in the Old Testament. And when we look at the early church, there were 27 documents, separate, identifiable documents in the New Testament. When they put this all together and it came six to six, they say six to six books. I don't think so. I don't think Jude you can call his writing a book. You can call the Paul's, uh, 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 Paul's writings a book. You can make a book out of it. But you can't call Philemon a book when it's just one page. But it's six to six pieces of documents. But when you put them all together and make them into a book and says... This is the infallible word of God, closed canon. It means nothing else could be added to it. I don't know who inspired men to say closed canon. I can tell you who didn't inspire them, God didn't. And can you imagine when Jesus came on the scene, the Old Testament 
was closed cannon. And Jesus had to still preach outside of the closed cannon. And when Paul came on the scene, he had to write outside of the closed cannon. And mankind, today we have all kinds of translations. We have what I have before me, the King James translation. They have the Living Bible. They have the Septuagint. I have one a copy of that. I have a copy of the uh, Jehovah's Witness New World Translation. I've got a copy of the American Standard Bible. I've got a copy of the New International Standard Scripture. I have a copy of the New Living Bible, like the rest of did. And you can have a dozen translations and it does not amount to anything if God does not inspire you to decipher what's translated. And when Jesus is dealing with what he's dealing, Paul is dealing with the same thing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that all our fathers, he's including the Jews as our fathers, all our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. He's tracing back the journey from Egypt through the Red Sea. He says all our fathers passed through the Red Sea. And so because they are fathers, we've got to listen to everything they say. My dad was a great guy. We loved my dad. Could not have had a better father. But he could not tell me what to preach. Had my mom tried that one time and I just went full time into the ministry. I was not married. I went full time into the ministry. And I was living in a place called Belvedere. And my mission home. And my mom and my aunt came to me. I was a young man. 18 years old. And they came to me and they sat me down. And my aunt was the lead speaker. And she said, Daz, we're here to give you some advice. And I sat down, 17, 18 years old. They said, we will tell you who are the good people in this entire district that you can put in positions in the church and who you should never trust. And I went down the line. They gave me a good uh, 45 minutes to an hour lecture. And I'm listening to them. And when they were done, I said, well, Ma, you know, auntie so-and-so and mom, thank you all for coming and talk to me. But I said, listen to me carefully. You might have heard this before, Brother Sam. I said, don't you ever, ever come and tell me how to run the church. And guess what? Immediately, it's okay. We wouldn't. <laughs> but if I was gullible and somebody's trying to tell me what to do and how to conduct my life, and I listen to that, I'll be the biggest idiot they have on the planet. My mom was a godly woman, but she couldn't run the church. My dad was a wonderful guy, but I can't depend on him and his conclusions. As a matter of fact, my dad asked one time, can we write out the tongues and give him so he can memorize it? Remember? My dad, he said, can you write out these tongues that they're talking and give me so I can memorize it? That was my dad. 
wonderful old man. And Paul writes here, he says, Our fathers all were under the cloud in the wilderness. They all passed through the Red Sea. They were there. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all did drink of the spiritual they all eat of the same spiritual meat. What was that spiritual meat that Israel in the wilderness ate? He says in verse 4, They all did drink of the same spiritual drink. And now let's read together. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus was in the Old Testament. He was the one that led Israel. He was that angel in the burning bush. His voice was the one that led them. And he was the one. Let me finish this up here and so I can get back to my thought. And they all drank and he says. And with them. With many. With how much? Many. Say that again. Many. Of them God was not well pleased. You keep that in mind. Because I ask myself. I had wonderful leaders of the past. They were not all 100% perfect. They had flaws like every human being. I had my pastor, Brother Lloyd Goodwin. He had flaws. But he taught me 80% of what I know today is doctrine. And if I'm to condemn him for a flaw he had, then I have to throw away my Bible because David had more flaws than Lloyd Goodwin. Paul killed Christians. This book, if it was written about perfect men only, it would be a slim five pages book. Because the only man I read in this Bible is Jesus said to Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He didn't say no sin. He said no guile. And when I read, Abel was the one that served God. When I read a scripture like it says, And Noah walked with God. That's before he got drunk after the flood. If I'm to condemn men and not read what they produce, I would not have a Bible. But I look at these men and I look at their struggles and I see how they made mistakes and blunders and I must be able to understand that their humanity was there and see how they moved to perfection. I can understand when Paul says, I've not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. Paul, how come? You're preaching. I'm preaching a perfect gospel, but I've not yet reached that place. Well, what you're doing, Paul, about it? Forgetting the things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before I'm pressing. I'm not giving up. 35 to 40 years Paul took before he could say I'm now ready to be offered. 35 to 40 years. And that was a called apostle. Give me a break. I might take longer than that before I say I'm now ready to be offered. But while I'm working on my imperfection and God is taking me through a process, I appreciate this Bible that has a history I can look into. Yes. We're not here to condemn the Bible. We're here to look at the history. 
And then we understand that there is a Christ in this Old Testament that Paul is writing about. He says, he goes on here in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. He says, now these things were written, were our examples to the extent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. What did the fathers do? Some of them, many of them, they lusted after evil things. If that happened, they, you tell me something. You walk, come out of Egypt, and you see the Red Sea open up. <clears throat> God leads you through on dry ground. And then you see it closes back, and the Egyptian army got killed. And somebody says, you know where they crossed? Where they crossed, it was less like 18 inches of water. Well, I don't know if that's a miracle. Or the great miracle, the Lord drowned the entire Pharaoh's army in 18 inches of water. Tell a skeptic that says it's 18 inches of water. They were crossing on a short, shallow area. Well, tell him the same shallow area God drowned the entire Egyptian army. See, I can't build my life based on the skeptics. And so what are you talking about, Brother Singh? Let's finish off this. Verse 7, neither be idolaters, as some of them were. The people sat and down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed. Neither for fell in one day three and twenty thousand, twenty-three thousand people got killed. Let us not tempt Christ, as some of them tempted him. Back there, they try to see if they can live one life and try to see if God can work for them in another way. God doesn't work like that. And neither murmur they. And he goes on and on and on and on. Now, why am I saying all of this? I'm saying that Christ was in the Old Testament and he was the one that told Israel, thou shalt not commit adultery. But from the time he told them in Mount Sinai, thou shalt not commit adultery, here in Matthew chapter 5, he says, verse 27, You have heard that it was said, By them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And he goes on, he talks about murder the same way. So from the time of Mount Sinai to the days of Christ, adultery had evolved. You know what evolved means? Advanced. You don't need to take a woman physically and commit adultery. At that time, you can look at a woman. And at that time, nobody walked half naked. They all had gowns. You got to use your wicked imagination to see a woman's figure. Because they did not. You got to go by the, the stream where they were taking baths. To, to fill your heart. Today, women has lost their femininity. The world we are living in, women have lost their modesty. And sometimes I wish I was not living in this world. Because when you go out, half the world is half naked. 
and you see sausages of all forms and they think they're beautiful you see when ugly is classified as beauty and beauty is abandoned we're living in a sick day so when we're looking back sin has advanced idolatry is not the same as it was 2000 4000 years ago it changed as it went on advanced evil has advanced worldliness when James when John writes and he says love not the world neither the things that are in the world 2000 years ago if J if John came and existed today He'd have to think a little bit more than what he called worldly 2,000 years ago. And you know why all of that has changed and evolved? Because the devil himself evolves. Today, the devil is a preacher. And the devil has more preachers out preaching his gospel preaching holiness than God has preaching the truth and so why am I saying I'm saying all of that to say that I have a beautiful Bible but we need more than this beautiful Bible and I don't care what translation you have on what Greek you know on what Hebrew you know you need the Holy Ghost we need God to raise up men that can see evil as it exists today. And save God's people from today's evil. Because evil is subtle. And the devil is subtle. The devil is not closing churches. He's building churches. Because he's called an angel of light. And his apostles as ministers of righteousness. Everything has evolved. And sad to say, the only thing that has not really evolved sufficiently is present truth. Because we're living in the past. We want to tell you what Jeremiah did. And what Isaiah did. And how they dealt. We want to tell you we go back and that's all we can do because God needs to talk to his people. I have a chart here and it lists all the prophets. I did this today, this morning. I said, let me look at this. And Jonah and Hosea and Amos and Isaiah and Micah, they all existed from 700 and something further on. Isaiah, the prophesied before Jeremiah, was about 60 to 70 years ahead of Jeremiah. And so when Jeremiah came on the scene... He says, well, friends, we're going to read from the book of Isaiah. Do you read the book of Jeremiah? He picks up the, the scroll of Isaiah, says, we're going to read. No, no, no. God called the man to preach a gospel that he preached. 
The reason why we have got to depend on what somebody else said is because we do not hear from God for ourselves. Remember Sam talked last night about needing for prayer. I'm think, listening to him. He said he wondered how many times Daniel prayed. Three times. Well, if I had got, uh, I, I love you, Lord. You're, you're wonderful. Praise the Lord. Guide me today. Amen. I don't think that's how he prayed. I always wondered myself, how long did he pray? When that man turned his face towards Jerusalem, he was in captivity. And he had more God in him while he was in Babylon than the ones running around in Jerusalem had. We call ourselves the body of Christ, but the people out there in what we call Babylon has a better relationship with God and pray more and fast more and dedicate themselves and sin less and are less worldly than we are. We are, should be embarrassed. Really embarrassed. Jeremiah preached what God gave Jeremiah to preach. Isaiah preached what God gave Isaiah to preach. Micah did what God told Micah to preach. Ezekiel came almost down the line, preached what God gave Ezekiel to preach. And Micah, the last prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament, preached exactly what God gave him to preach. And then God stopped sending prophets because Israel offered burnt offerings that were not good. They offered polluted bread. Their offerings really was rotten. The offerings have evolved. The sacrifices that we make in church has evolved, has been influenced by the devil. I stand here and I pastor this church. And as I pastor this church, I see how God will add to the church. And he adds, and the devil takes away. That is why we can't have a proper Wednesday night service. Because we got like 15 people, 13, 14, 15 people come to church on Wednesday night. Are we backsliding? The answer is yes. That's what I call backsliding. When you dedicated yourself one time and you're doing less this time, I call that backsliding. That's present truth. You can quote the entire Bible. But if you're not dedicated like God wants you, it's backsliding. Amen. It's time that God's people understand what God wants of them to do this age. Don't put God on your timetable. You find the timetable that God has and confirm to that. And today I'm talking to you and I don't know what our fathers inherited. They're things that we believe in. I don't know where the, in God's name it came from. I asked brothers, I said, where did we get the dancing from? 
I said, God, allow me to fall off the ladder, broke my heels, I couldn't dance. Today I stand back and look at people dancing. And I think it's very ritualistic. It's very pagan. It's very voodoo-like. It's very cult-like. I asked myself, did they dance in the New Testament church? You see, the difference with the Old Testament and the New Testament, the kind of blessing they got blessed with in the Old Testament was, thou shalt be blessed in the field, and thou shalt be blessed in the city. Yet you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bring it forth your fruit in your season. Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and speak all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. You see, the term blessing has changed from the Old Testament physical time of blessing to the New Testament where Jesus set the example of what discipleship and godliness was. You want an example? Don't look to Solomon. You want an example? Don't look to David. You want an example? Don't even look to Isaiah or Jeremiah. You want an example? Look to Jesus. That's why I'm here today. I'm here today to tell you that the seven churches Paul and John received messages for the seven churches of Asia Minor. Each letter was meant for a particular church. And if the mailman got Smyrna, their letter, and took it to Laodicea, and Laodicea's letter, and brought it to Smyrna, Smyrna would not even know what God is talking about. We are rich. Increase it. Because what's wrong with God? No. The message for Smyrna was for Smyrna. The message for Laodicea was for Laodicea. The message for Sardis was for Sardis. The message for Ephesus was for Ephesus. But we can look at every one of these and see what can be applied to us. Yes, sir. Are we in idolatry? Idolatry has evolved. You don't need an idol. With a big old monstrous looking expression. Your face could be an idol. Your job could be an idol. Your children could be idols. And if you have some real idols. Nice car. Nice house. You make them idols. You don't bow down like this and worship them, but you worship it. Your husband could be an idol. Your wife could be an idol. Your kids could be idols. Your grandkids could be idols. And somewhere down the line, you've got to analyze your life and stop doing what is the traditional thing to do and do what God wants you to do. 
beyond a translation, beyond a living Bible and the King James Bible and the New International Translation and the American Standard Translation and the New World Translation, there's a Holy Ghost that touched men to write in the Old Testament. And I'm not sure what the translators did. Whether they made mistakes or don't make mistakes, they didn't make mistakes. I don't know what they did, but one thing did not change. God says, I'm the Lord, I change not. His spirit has not changed. And when I'm reading, may God touch my mind that I might see beyond what's written. And the Holy Ghost touches my mind and understand that worldliness is a whole lot different today than it ever was. Love not the world. If you can't understand what the world is, you might love it and don't even know it. Truth must be understood because truth that only educates you and does not reach in to change you is irrelevant truth. God's purpose of the church is to bring a change in our lives that we be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The New Testament church did not have a New Testament. But today, because we don't pray enough, because we don't seek God enough, because we are hooked on traditionalism and what was passed on to us by some, maybe some fathers that could not even see, we can't give it up. May God help us. May God help us. Truth must be present truth relevant to the evil that exists today. We need men of God that can come to the place that they can sanctify themselves first of all. See, Paul wrote that to Timothy. It's a good day to be in church. Um, Glad to have Brother Vid and Sister Jasmine visiting with us. And Paul wrote to Timothy and helped me find his scripture. He said, he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy, I think it is. He said in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, he says if verse 6, if you put the brethren in remembrance of the things I'm teaching you, he says, thou shalt be a good minister. You're a good minister if you take the word of God that God's giving you today and turn that to other individuals. I spent a lot of time listening to my own message. This morning I was out and I was not out, I was out of the house slipped out of the house, went up in front. And I am out there clipping the flowers and here comes a politician, a man that I knew, a man that came to this church one time. And he came and he stood before me, he says, what are you listening to? I say, you know, think I'm conceited, but I'm listening to myself. 
He says, I've got to come and visit your church. He says, you haven't seen me for a while because I was a sick man. I had cancer. And I had to do major surgery. But I'd like to come and visit your church. I told him church starts at 10 o'clock. He says, I'd like to come and visit you. I said, we stream all the time. He says, I'd like you to send me the, the site that I can connect to for streaming. Why I told you that is because my tranquility is listening to the Word of God while I'm doing something. Brother saying, but you the preacher. While Paul tells Timothy here, he says in chapter 4, he says, if you put a brethren in remembrance of these things or a good minister, Nurtured up in the words of Christ, nor in the words of the faith, and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. When they used the word doctrine back there, especially in the days of the early church, it was basically that which tells you how to live, how to be nice to people, how to love your enemies, bless them that despitefully use you. Bless and don't curse. Well, I don't have enemies. Pray that God give you some. Because it will help you to grow in God. When the obnoxious, you learn how to love. And there are individuals in this church that is designed by God to aggravate you. What you need to understand is that don't let the word of God aggravate you. Today, if you would hear his voice, harden not your heart. Repent. And like I said before, the Lord brings you in and the devil takes you away. And I cannot force you to go contrary to what you really want to do. I've seen that happen all my life. I've been pastoring for many, many years. And I see people come on in sincere and love God. And then the devil take them away. He shakes them. Out of the core of the church. And when we came to Canada. Wednesday night was important. Saturday night was important. Sunday afternoon at one o'clock was important and Sunday night was important and every one of those services we had a band full band play happy backslidden I'm waiting yes so America was the worst judged city a nation by COVID-19. In God we trust on the dollar. Doesn't make a difference. America. Is an evil nation. We got a few churches that's there. That's already backsliding slowly. The pastors are sitting down. Watching sports and getting tied up. In all kinds of complication things. They got a fun and frolic 
And some of the Muslim countries around the world hate America and hate Canada because the kind of pornography and kind of evil that we send around the world, some countries hate this country, North America, because of the perversion that is sent. And we call it serving God, get real. We have more hypocrites in the Christian church than when it got started under the Pentecost. And Paul tells Timothy here, and I'm closing with this because I want to close in five minutes. He said here, verse 11 in First Timothy verse chapter 4, he says, These things command, but he's saying it too hard. Talk to Paul. He told Timothy, he says, when you get up there, don't tell him, please. He says, command. Think you're a general. And may God help us in this age that we're living in to raise up not some jokers in the pulpit, but to raise up some men that are serious about preaching the gospel God places in their heart. Forget the Greek, forget the Hebrew, forget the translations. Seek after the Holy Ghost, the genuine Holy Ghost. Because that which inspired men to write scripture must inspire men today to decipher that which was written. So I don't care about translation, what translation. When I stand up to preach, I must feel that Holy Ghost telling me what to say. And what I say, I pray that God gives people ears to hear. I got five minutes left. Verse 11, these things command and teach. Let no man despise who you are, your youth or your age or your nationality. Let no man affect your dedication. See, I'm here talking to you. <clears throat> I never went to university. Never did. Timothy is more advanced than me. He's going to, he's going to university. Never went to university. Never went to Bible school, but Terry there, he's graduated with five degrees. I never went. The more I would have gone, is the more God had to empty me out. And it's not easy. It's best you don't go through, then you have to go through and give it up. Because you're gonna sit down and worship them certificates. Doctor! You know, I'm doctor. Worship it. I got a graduation in in psychology, worship it. Just, just, just worship. Praise God. You know, Brother John, you ever met me before? I got two degrees, man. You can call me Brother Singh, but really I'm Doctor Singh. <laughs> Brother John, I was a crook, and Jesus saved me. That's what I should tell him. I was a crook. I was a sinner. I was evil, and Jesus saved me. Amen. Amen. That's a testimony. Not them. I almost say hogwash that you hang on the wall. That some apostate institution has given you. That's not important. I can't wait for the kingdom of God to be established. I can't wait when the knowledge of God covers the the earth as the waters cover the sea. I can't wait. To see God change this world. And Paul says. 
He says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Be there when the church door opens up. Be there. Well, I wasn't following Paul, and I didn't read Timothy to get an example. But when this church door opens up, I'm there. I'm there. I look around and see what there is to do. And I'm there. We saved this church hundreds and hundreds of dollars by getting things done ourselves. But I'm coming to the place I'm not able to climb the ladders no more as much. Still do it sometimes. So here we are today, not because angels came and brought us to where we are. No, we work like dogs to build this platform. Brothers labored. We're here today because some men labored. Don't you backslide. As a matter of fact, some have never been in front yet. You need to start attending church more often. You need to stop making excuses for not coming to church. And Paul went on. I told you I was going to finish it. Let it go on. He says, in example, verse 12, to the believers in the way you, you live, in the, what you say, in your conversation, your way of life, in the way you give to people and help people, be the example, man. Don't be a stingy, tight what? Is that what they say? In your spirit, your spirit must be very firm all the time. He says, in faith and in purity. Young man, Paul tells Timothy, he says, you be all of these things. You want example? You want advice? Nathan, don't go to the internet for advice. This church gives all the advice you need from this pulpit. And I'm smarter than any idiot you got on the internet. That's going to tell you otherwise. This. Sorry to call the people on the internet idiots. But sometimes they're a bunch of wackos. When you want to find out how to live for God. Ask me. Ask one of these elders. I've been preaching for many years. When I started preaching. Some of the guys that are writing things on the internet. Were in pampers. Diapers. And I was preaching. When I started preaching, some of the men we have in the fellowship were in pampers. Some were not even conceived yet. But God has brought me far away, and I want to finish this. He says, till I come, give all diligence to a reading, and to exhortation, and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee by, the, by prophecy, and by the laying on of hands of the presbytery tree. Meditate on the word of God. On the lessons. Meditate on them. Yeah. See that's what I do. I put them in my pocket and I meditate. On my own message. Because it saves me. Meditate on them. These things. Give yourself how much? Half heartedly. No holy to them. That thy profitings may appear to all. Take heed first of all. To yourself. And unless you're saved. You can't save a single soul around you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this time we spent in your house. Thank you for your word that continues to change us. Help us to see how evil has advanced and help us to have the present truth that has also advanced to save us from the evils of this present day society. Please build the church.
that the gates of hell prevail not against it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And amen.